Hi there. I'm Jonathan Somerville and I'm the Senior Minister at Woodford Baptist Church in London and it is my great joy to be with you at Harrow Baptist. Uh, you know, one day we'll get to do this in person, um, but I'm really grateful that Pastor Andrew has invited me to come and to share with you today. We're in these strange weeks after Easter and uh, it's just my great joy that because of what's happening and we're all getting used to the technology that I can be with you, even though obviously I can't be with you. But uh, this lockdown season has presented us with lots of questions. And so this is a, a, a time around Easter and after Easter like we haven't experienced before. Um, during this last year, it's been my great joy to get to know Andrew a lot better. And uh, it's been good to spend some time with him from time to time. As ministers, we've been seeking to encourage one another and walk together during this time. And Andrew's been a really great support and a networker with lots of pastors. So it is really a great joy to be with you now. And uh, well, today, as we think about this uh, idea of what it means to live after Easter, I want us to think about this uh, subject and I'm giving it this title, the time after and in between. Yeah, I know it is a slightly strange title, but I think it's a helpful for one, one for us as we just think about this period that we find ourselves in, which I think has an echo for this period that Jesus went through in the time between Easter and Ascension, or, or indeed that the church went through, the first believers, those who were his disciples. And I think it's a really good time for us just to pause because I think there are lessons for us this year in 2021. This is a message that won't make sense in many future years. But I think there are lessons for us because we too are in that time after and in between. Uh, we're in that time after in that we are beginning that process of unlocking or un, uh, unraveling the rollout or whatever you want to call it. This, this season that we're in now, which is the easing of many of the restrictions we've been living under and living in this freedom which is ahead of us, which is an interesting kind of concept. But we also live in a time after and in between. We live in the time after Pentecost and the birth of the church. And we live in a time in between in that we are waiting for Jesus' second coming and his return when he will be the judge, when he will establish his forever kingdom, where he will uh, make a new heaven and a new earth. We live in that in-between time. And there's uh, some interesting things for us to look at here, I think, which reveal to us why it was Jesus didn't just ascend into heaven on Easter day, but instead ministered and continued to see people and talk and teach and do miracles for those 40 days before ascension and uh, 10 days after, of course, followed by Pentecost. What was Jesus doing in that between time? Why didn't he just go back to heaven and be with the Father? What was going on there? Well, we're going to look in these chapters 20 and 21 of John. So if you have your Bibles, please turn them on or open them up. We're not going to read all of these two chapters, but just some sections from there, three sections in particular, where I want us to just to take a look at why Jesus hung around, what he was doing in that in-between time, what it says to us about what we might be doing in this in-between time, specifically now in 2021, but also generally in this in-between time as we live between the events of that first Easter, Ascension, Pentecost, and Jesus' second coming. Okay, so we're going to start reading from verse 24 in John chapter 20. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. 
A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We can sometimes be really hard on Thomas, can't we? We call him Doubting Thomas because of this moment he has here that's recorded. And yet, you know, Thomas makes this great declaration of faith here. He's first to believe in some other situations. He's the one that's longing for belief. And the truth of it is that he wasn't there when Jesus came. The others had this great experience. And yet there's Thomas. He was, you know, one of the 12. He'd walked with them. He'd been with Jesus for three years. And then all of a sudden they have an experience that he has missed out on. Perhaps it's um, some hurt feelings. Perhaps it's uh, a sense of loss and pain. Perhaps it's his grief, which is still looking for some kind of resolution. It's so close after the events of Easter Day that causes him to say, well, I can't believe unless I have that experience too. And then jump forward a week and they're in that same place and the doors are closed just as they were the week before. But this time Thomas is there. And once again, Jesus, through closed doors, comes and appears in the midst of them, says these words, peace be with you, and then turns his attention to Thomas. Here's the first thing I want us to see. When Jesus steps into our confusion, when Jesus steps into our pain, when Jesus steps into our fear, when Jesus steps into our doubting, the first thing he does is that he speaks peace. It's the same thing that he'd done the week before when the disciples were cowering in the upper room through fear of what the Romans and the Jews might do next. He stepped into that situation and said, peace be with you and breathe the Holy Spirit on them. And in this moment, he steps in again into that room where they're gathering. The inference is that they haven't seen him in that previous week. Who was, what was he doing? Who was he seeing? We, we, we don't know, but the inference certainly is that for a week, there's been no sight of Jesus. Now here in that same place, here he is again, he's with them and he is among them. And he speaks first of all, peace to all of them, including Thomas. And then he turns to Thomas He's well aware because of who he is. He's God. He is the son of God. He is the one who has now fully back into all of his majesty, having laid aside part of his majesty to come and be with us. He is Jesus and he knows what not only what Thomas said, but also what was in his heart. And he knows that the root of what was going on with Thomas in that moment was about a doubt and a fear because he hadn't witnessed something the others had. And so he says to Thomas, Come on then, here's my body. Where did you want to put your fingers? Here's my side. Did you want to put your hand in there? And Thomas doesn't. The inference here is that Thomas doesn't touch the body. Thomas doesn't put his hand in the side and do what he had so boldly claimed that he needed to do. And instead, encountering the reality of the resurrected Jesus, knowing Jesus' peace, knowing security in that place, and then hearing Jesus challenge, I think, I think probably more gently than comes over in the text, just give up your doubt. It's time to believe again, says my Lord and my God. Friends, we live in a very strange season and we live in this in-between time. But in the last 12 months, there will be people in our churches, in our families, in our friendship groups, in that whole network of friends and relatives and associates and neighbours 
who have loved Jesus, have walked with Jesus, but the events of this last year have caused doubts, doubts and comments and questions that have arisen because of pain, because of fear, because of unanswered prayer, because of longing. And Jesus speaks into that situation. What was Jesus doing in that in-between time? He was coming to those who he loved and who had walked with him and who were now in pain and fear and who was bringing resolution and hope. And I believe that that is a call for us. It's something that we might find as a mission for the church this year in this in-between time to be those who embody Jesus and step into people's lives, bringing peace, showing the evidence and the signs of Jesus, carrying him with us, the whole church being the body of Christ to those who have doubted and without accusation and without shaming and without pouring scorn on somebody, revealing Jesus' love, revealing his sacrifice and then inviting, come back into that place of faith. What are we doing in this time after and the time in between reaching out in love and grace and compassion to all of those who've loved Jesus but have struggled in this last year and in this last season and it's also a call upon the church in this in-between time this time between uh, the events of Pentecost and the events of when Jesus comes again are we those who create a community of grace where those who struggled having once walked in faith can come home find a welcome and peace and find faith once more i want us to look at a couple of other things in these chapters so let's carry on reading we're going to jump into uh, chapter 21 afterward jesus appeared again to his disciples by the sea of galilee and it happened this way simon peter thomas also known as didymus nathaniel from cana in galilee the sons of zebedee and two other disciples were together i'm going out to fish simon peter told them and they said we'll go with you so they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So the next thing that we see, the next reason for why Jesus hung around in the in-between time, the next deep lesson for you and I is we've got to tell people where the fish are. Well, of course, that's not quite what's happening here, although there is a little bit of that going on. What's happening here is Simon has gone back to life as it was before. He's encountered Jesus, but now he is facing the reality of the things that he's done. He knows that he betrayed Jesus and in this moment it's unclear what is the role now of Jesus followers or what Jesus is even doing and in that moment of uncertainty he goes back to life as it was before and the others go with him uh, perhaps a side lesson there about leadership in times of doubt just remember people will follow if you are a good leader wherever you go in times of doubt as well as in times of faith that's bracket that that's aside that's for another day today what i want us to realize in this passage is we too can have that response in times of uncertainty and in times when the situation isn't clear we'll just go back to life as it was before and what we see here is they do that they give it their best shot off they go fishing and i don't think in three years they'd lost the knack and that they'd lost all their technique i don't think that's what's happening i think there's a divine dynamic at work here which means they fish all night long but they catch nothing and friends 
I want us to see here a really powerful symbol that if we just try to go back to life before, it is fruitless. It is fruitless. We are asking all kinds of questions about what life should be in, what are we calling it? The new normal, the next step, the rollout, whatever we want to call it. We're entering into a new season. It, it, it won't be like it was before, but we have all kinds of questions and we have all kinds of fears. We have lots and lots of uncertainty. What's life going to be like? And the temptation would be for us to just go back to life as it was before. And friends, I want to, I believe strongly in my own heart and in my own spirit for your church, but also for my church. It can't be fruitful just to do that. And we will find ourselves fishing all night and having empty nets because we've just done what is familiar to us. We haven't waited for that clear instruction from God. We haven't seen what it is that God's doing next. And we've gone off and done our own thing because that's what we're familiar with. And that's what worked in the past. What's Jesus doing in this in-between time? He is reminding them not to go back. He is reminding them not to go back. And not only that, he's revealing it is unfruitful to go back. And then this reveals what happens when Jesus enters into the scene and intervenes. It wasn't that all the fish were hiding on the other side of the boat and he just needed to nudge them. It is this powerful symbol that when Jesus is involved in the things that we're doing or when we partner with him in the things that he's doing, then all kinds of fruitfulness comes from that. And just take a look at that. They cast the nets on the other side. The hall is plentiful. And then we get told a little bit later, a passage we didn't read, that when they counted the fish, there were 153, which is a really good number. And I want to tell you the meaning of that number, 153. Perhaps you have wondered about that. You've kind of scratched your head and your chin and thought, what is 153? Here it is. I'm going to tell you. Get ready. Get your notepads and pens out. Take this down. The reason they write that there is 153 fish is because there were 153 fish. Wow. I think they were just a lot. And somebody said, let's count them. That looks like a huge number. I don't think there's particularly a great symbolism in that number. We're looking for something that isn't there. The symbol is this. With Jesus, there is fruitfulness. When we go back to what we know and what is familiar because it's comfortable, because we're waiting for a word from Jesus, that is fruitless. We have empty nets when we do it our way. We catch 153 fish when we do it his way. That's the symbolism. The symbolism kind of goes on because here's what happens in verse 10. When they've landed the fish, Jesus says, bring some of the fish that you've caught. So Simon climbed back into the boat, dragged the fish net ashore. It was full of large fish. But even so, uh, with so many, the net wasn't torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Uh, and Jesus took the bread, gave it to them as he did with some of the fish. And he was already cooking fish there. He already had some fish on the go. When they come back in verse 9, it says, When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with some fish on it and some bread. Jesus already had some fish, but he wants their fish too. You see, there's this collaboration now. And what's happening in this in-between time between Easter and the Ascension and Pentecost, what's happening for us between Pentecost and the Second Coming is we're learning more fully what it means to partner with Jesus. Not to do stuff on our own, not to sit back and just imagine he's going to get on and do it all without us, but to bring all that we have, what we are able to do, and, and bring that to Jesus and lay it at his feet and let that be combined with his divine ability. 
So the first thing that we learn is he brings peace. The second thing is there's a job for us in bringing that peace and in bringing that comfort and in calling people back to faith who've walked with him. The third thing that I want us to see here is Jesus is telling us in this in-between time, just don't go back to life as it was before in moments of uncertainty. That way is fruitless, but now learn to partner with me. So far, Jesus has been doing most of the ministry. There have been times when he's called his disciples in and given them a shot, but it's been mostly him. And now he's saying it's time for us. It's fully time for us. Do you know, it's never a time for just us. But the time when it was just Jesus has passed. It's time for us together in this in-between time to learn what it means to partner with the things he's doing, the things that he's already preparing and bring what we have into that in order that, well, in order that there's a great feast, which is such a wonderful image of heaven, isn't it? The third thing then I want us to sort of, that is the third thing. The fourth thing I want us to see as we carry on reading is from verse 15. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Here's the last thing I want us to see today. The important thing that Jesus is doing in this time in between, in this time between Easter and Ascension, and the time for us, what we're called to realise and to be doing as well and allowing Jesus to do in us, in this time between uh, the events of uh, the first Pentecost and the second coming, the events that we find ourselves in right now, in this fresh start moment for the church, in this season of what is new and what is to come, as we find ourselves after a time after and a time in between, we are called to discover afresh what it means to have the call of God upon every single one of us and to have a new beginning. And so this new beginning wasn't just for Jesus on the day of his resurrection. He's not the only one that gets the new beginning. What we see in this interaction with Peter is that we all get the new beginning. And so Peter, who's messed up royally, who has really, really kind of like lost it completely, he's denied Jesus in a way that he said he never would. I'll die for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, do you know what? You're going to deny me. And so he knows he's done that. He's full of shame. He's full of pain. And you and I know all the ways that we have failed Jesus. Some of those fill us with shame and with pain. Others we've shrugged off because our hearts have become seared to the cost that Jesus paid for us to be his. And yet in this in-between time, Jesus is in the business of restoration and of calling us to a fresh beginning and a new day. And I believe that for some of us, Perhaps you hearing this this morning, you need to hear Jesus say to you, it's a new day and I'm calling you back. There's a chance for a fresh beginning. It doesn't matter how much you have messed up. You have not messed up so much that I can't give you a fresh start. And I believe that God would say that to some of us today. Can you hear him saying that to you? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Is your heart so seared that it doesn't bother you anymore? 
And Peter gets broken because he's just replaying in his mind, I'm thinking, the times that he's let Jesus down. And in that moment, he becomes crushed because Jesus has to ask him three times, are you really sure? Are you really sure? Are you really sure you love me? Maybe we need to get to that place of crushing once more as we let Jesus show us the places where our hearts have become seared to the pain it causes him when we mess up. And we've just carried on doing stuff and we've got ourselves into habits and patterns where we know we failed, but we've excused it somehow and we've just carried on doing it. Well, this in-between time, this time in between for us now is a time when Jesus says to us, do you love me? Come, follow me. It's a time of renewal. And it's a time for the church to be entering into that as well. To hear God saying, not just to us as individuals, but to his whole church, do you love me? Never mind the ways that you've messed up before. Never mind the things that you've done wrong before. You're not lost in that. There's a moment of a fresh start and a new beginning. In this new day, this time in between, what's happened in this last year and what is coming in the months ahead, can we hear Jesus say to us as a whole company of people, do you love me? And if you do, then may he come into your presence and bring his peace. May you be called back to faith in him. Or be part of a company of people who create the space in which those who have got lost find their way home. May he come and call you from old routines into new days of fruitfulness and joy. And in the places where your brokenness, hidden or open, has been brought into his presence, may you hear him once more call you to be his disciple. Amen. God bless you.